Red Rock Lit Fest Writers Read. Hello everyone, welcome. And today I am with writer Dion Barini. She is the author of three novels, Milkweed, How to Earn Your Keep, and A Roanoke Story. She teaches a long-running creative writing class at the Swampscott Senior Center. She has worked as a journalist and editor. As well as writing, Dion works in affordable housing preservation. Dion, welcome. How are you? Fine, thanks, Agatha. How are you doing this morning? Excellent. I'm excited. Uh, so before you begin reading I, and telling us about your book, I have three questions for you about your writing. Now, the first thing I would like to know is, do you prefer pen or keyboard when you write? Keyboard. Always. Yes. I can't. I have very messy handwriting, and if I jot things down in my own writing, they're, they're gone. I, I need the keyboard. <laughs> okay, and are you a daytime or a nighttime writer? That's an interesting question because you sent me that question earlier, and I would say it depends. Um, and what does it depend on? Well, I think the times I write best are the transitional times, so sort of early in the morning just after I've woken up or later in the evening where I'm on my way to sleep. It's when I'm fully awake in the afternoon that I write the least well, I'd say. For for first drafts for for fiction, which is what I do. Okay, huh? So when you're fully awake, it's the worst writing. I like that. Interesting. <laughs> it's the worst, cre- you know, fiction creative writing. I'm yeah. Very yeah. good editor at two in the afternoon, but probably not a good first draft person at two in the afternoon. Okay. And what is inspiring you at the moment? In a nutshell. Um, this is going to sound the time space continuum just the idea that what if we had one lesson to learn but we had many lifetimes to learn it and how would that play itself out so i'm play and that's what i'm sort of working on right now in a nutshell i i really that's my nutshell okay yeah and we'll read it further in the next book that you're writing. yes that's exactly. <laughs> okay and what are you going to be reading to us today Oh, so today I'm going to be reading from the beginning of my uh, most recent novel called A Roanoke Story, which briefly is the story of the first um, Western colonization of North America, but the story is told entirely from the Native people, the people of origin's point of view. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. And this is, and you're going to start from the chapter one? I'm going to start from the prologue. Okay. <laughs> Just to... Dip, dip everybody into the very beginning, and then just read a little bit, and then I'll stop when my time runs out. Okay, thank okay? you. Yeah, perfect. Great. So again, from a Roanoke story, and the first um, section is called A Blanket of Rabbit Skins, and this is from the prologue. Tell me your story, the young girl asks. Her round face glows reflecting the fire's restless flickers, rain lashes at the roof mats. You have heard it all before, the old woman answers softly. She gathers her scattered memories, the thoughts like acorns rolling from a fallen basket. The families lay quietly about the skins. They listen to the gift of water, enjoying the moment of rest. Yes, yes, we have heard it all before, laughs the young mother, 
That's why we ask for it again. The woman shifts against the rabbit skin, sits up straight. She is older now than most of her people, but her recollection of things past is clear. There's a brief stillness in the wild noise of the storm, and into that void she throws her voice. My story is a story of my people, she begins, for I am everything and I am nothing. So, chapter one. Kita learns a lesson. Kita raced through the grove of ancestor trees, her bare feet flying over a soft bed of needles. The blue jay urged her on with a cackle. Run, Kita, run faster. Patches of light flashed on her face, and she closed her eyes each time the sun caught her to enjoy the red pulse behind her eyelids. Halfway through the cedar stand, she met the ocean's cool breeze. When she reached the grasses, the wind was full on her. She stopped and scanned the sands. The boys ran along the beach like busy turns as they collected sharp shells for arrowheads and scrapers and looked for rocks to anchor the fishing weirs. Minukio, taller than the others, drew her attention. A sloshing gourd of water in hand, he snuck behind Asku and doused his head. Kita laughed with Minukio. Asku shouted in surprise. Spinning quickly, Asku reached out and narrowly missed catching his friend. He set out after him, but Manuka's long legs kept him several lengths ahead. Manuka laughed as he ran, slowing only once a game was his to let Eskew catch him and retain honor. They wrestled briefly, circling and nipping like fox kits in the sand. Enjoying the joke, Kita pushed the ways pushed away. Enjoying the joke, Kita pushed away the thought of where she, as a girl, was supposed to be the inland field, weeding. In a burst, she had run away from this task, and she wasn't going back now, not while the wind felt so cool and the boys were so amusing. Kita crossed the beach to the shallows to let the incoming waves roll gently against her legs. Once cooled, she joined the boys in the sand to search for shells. Although Kita had only seen eight summers and had never been taught this skill by an elder, she had watched many arrows crafted in her father's house and was confident of the qualities of a useful shell. The boys were shy at her. The boys were shy at first of her, whom they knew so well, but not in this role, working like a boy instead of a girl. She drug a strong whelk from the wet sand and placed it in the communal basket. That's a good one, commented Eskew. He smiled. The praise emboldened her, and she skipped over the beach like a sandpiper in the fall, bending down to scoop treasure, running up and down with the waves on the wet sand. The summer afternoon lengthened. How long first mother stood at the edge of the grasses watching, Kita couldn't say. A piercing twinge at her shoulder made the girl turn her gaze to the ancestor trees. Shadows hid most of first mother's body, but the sun hid her legs and Kita recognized the intricate pattern of First Mother's inkings. Her calves were the marks of a net, like a weir. An indication of her high status, these linked diamonds widened gracefully up to her thighs. And that net pulled Kita in, a little fish caught. The boys stopped their work and stood straight and silent as Kita retreated to First Mother across the sands. 
Hida didn't look up at Miyuko's face as she passed him, but she felt his sympathetic eyes on her. When Kida reached the grasses, she followed several paces behind First Mother to show respect and to acknowledge that she had left the field without permission before the work was finished. What had made Kida leave her work so suddenly? The girl thought back. Inland the sun had shone hot and steady, and she remembered scooping among the tall plants without rest, her pile of pulled weeds increasing faster than those of the other girls. The air had been so still. Kida had heard the rustle of a small snake making its way through the corn, and the cicadas cried and were silent and then cried again. A shadow passed over Kida as she followed First Mother deep into the ancestor trees, trees older than memory, trees protected like the corn was protected, the ground cleared beneath them. The broad canopy shielded Kida and First Mother from the sun and its heat. Strands of light moved and danced among the broad trunks in the darkened grove. As quiet as the forest first appeared, it wasn't still. To walk among these trees was to feel the spirit of the people whispering in the moving branches. First Mother sat at the base of a trunk and gestured that Kida sit across from her against a neighboring tree. She lowered herself onto the ground, the dead leaves soft against the back of her legs, the bark firm against her back. Kida breathed in the sweet, musty cedar, a pungent odor she enjoyed. First Mother threw a handful of apple whack into a semicircle, closed her eyes while she offered her thanks and inhaled deeply. Kida waited, upset that she had caused First Mother to come to the beach, uncertain of what would happen next. She closed her eyes as well, but each time the girl tried to calm her thoughts, the insistent complaints from a squirrel above interrupted. His fast chatter echoed her true fast-beating heart. The jay, the troublemaker, who had earlier happily urged her to run, to run as fast as she could, was silent. When she opened her eyes, First Mother was watching. Kida stopped her fingers from pulling at the blue flower sewn onto her skirt. I'm a girl, First Mother, and my legs are bare, she said. I forgot your wise words. First Mother watched her so intently that Kida wanted to look down at her clasped hands, but Kida knew that she must not hide. She thought of her mama and wished she were sitting there under a tree. If First Mother were a black bear, proud and fierce, a guardian, Kida's mama would be an egret rare in her beauty and sociable. Kita's mama was the one whose body breathed closest to her while they slept, the one whose arms held Kita tight in the wet winter winds, the one who combined walnut oil through her hair, the one who wove blue flowers onto her deerskin skirt. Kita was her only daughter, her only child. The brothers and sisters who had come before and after were not granted passage to this world, but made their way directly to the Creator. Kida would meet them when she returned to the world of the dead, her mama told her, and she would share the stories of all they had missed of their life here. So Kida kept track and paid attention so that she would have something to tell when her time came. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. That is such a, a sweet and gentle story. 
partly. <laughs> and at least this beginning page is. Well, this our, section, yes. yeah, this yes. section, it starts yes, very gently. Yes, yeah, yeah, it does. Very nice, very nice. Thank you so much Thank for sharing you. that with us. Great. And you can listen to more from uh, Dion Barini at the Red Rock Literary Festival on November 6th and 7th. And you can register for the event at our website, reacharts.org. And I want to thank Dion for coming, and I want to thank you all for listening. Thank you. I Thank you for the opportunity, Agatha. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Stop by again. <laughs>